I can barely recognize myself You might think that it's dramatic But I'm asking y'all for help When I wear a suit and tie I give a smile when I reply I feel like another person While accommodating well In a white swirl White walls and white worlds Adding color to a canvas That denies what got impurled I'm my culture in a bun Keep my skin about the sun Because melanin and hair Are often filled when it's unfurled So I speak in ways Unnatural to the day When these streets accept the pieces That these people seem to hate How can I be me When I'm trying Constantly to fit a standard that my people never wanted to create I don't know, maybe I'm just tripping and I'm lost And I never had to throw away the things that I have tossed But I find myself changing every bridge I have to cross Use my soul to pay the toll, but now it's coming at a call of all these mirrors Yeah These mirrors tell it lies to No, no, no I'm tired of all these mirrors Take a peek at my reflection, take a second, second guessing How to think about a sentence, I was finding my way I've been speaking to the reverend and I think he failed to mention Mixing curses with my blessings isn't how to be safe And I'm tired of being beaten on, find if I just sing a song Tired of all these creaks from all these couches I've been sleeping on I've been creeping, leaving pieces on the pieces of my dreams Every time I do, I lose a piece of me Chill out My family, maybe a couple shots of Hennessy, cause I would rather be casually sampling drinks with people who matter than people who don't even matter to me, so watch you shimmy shimmy my way, gimme give gimme give my pay, cause I've been working hard searching for all the things that really matter and you're standing in my way, so just listen to me, what if you finally bought the house on the lake, but you had no one around, would you be able to say, that the work you put in made it worth the wait, if you gained the world and lose your soul, would you be okay, that's why I'm back on tracks and speaking facts, no need to act, my things is packed. And it's filled with things that I can deal with Nothing make me feel threats Cause I know the person I'm becoming in this real shit My boy Pops told me be who I want Ever since I did that, they've been singing along Like, hey, yo, G, drop the heat that I want Cause I'm finally hearing sounds that match the beat of my drum So I'ma know just what to do Never get confused Cause there's no way that I'm gonna play With the energy that's missing with the things I need Cause I don't need money I don't need fame My next guest is an up-and-coming artist from White Center, Washington. On September 21st, 2020, he released his debut album, Bonnie and Greenwood. This album is dedicated to two of his brothers who passed away 11 days apart, both from gun incidences. I highly enjoyed this album, and it's my pleasure to introduce Glendal Tautua. I was trying to get my things up in the neighborhood that made me mad. It's not my fault I had a crazy day And a girl how my mama give me that Feeling like a Monday on a Saturday Two jobs will give my mama pay Feel like stealing is the only way Cause I'm hungry and I'm bummy Every Sunday send us to the church to pray So we be rolling, rolling, moving, moving Cruising, cruising, hallelujah Who would do this? Rules is useless You influence foolish students Say you're a disciple but you're moving like you Judas Like whoa, like whoa
Welcome back, everyone. Today I'm with a very special guest, the one and only Glendul Tao Tua. What's up, everybody? You're definitely the first Samoan on the podcast. I have to give you that. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm the first at something. That's funny. Hell yeah. Dude, I didn't, I didn't even know, like, because, like, Samoan culture in general is very cultural, and I'm, I'm guessing you guys already do, like, a lot of singing with your family and everything like that. And I was like, I've never known, like, an actual, like, Samoan rapper or singer. So I think that's hella unique. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why, I mean, and that's something I'm super proud of. I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of Samoan artists, but um, not a lot of Samoan artists who talk about the things that we see in some of, you know, my communities growing up. And so, yeah, it's dope to be out there as, as kind of a singer and a rapper who's Samoan. So. Mm-hmm. Sure. And you, you grew up in White Center, correct? Yeah, I grew up in White Center, West Seattle area. I was born and raised in uh, Hawaii and then mm-hmm. spent some time in Samoa. But for the most part, uh, my most formative years were in White Center. Mm. You know? So pe- people just whitewash the fuck out of Hawaii then they just call it Hawaii. And it's, how do you pronounce it? actually? <laughs> Hawaii. I can't even I can't even do Hawaii. It's a uh, Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii. You got to, you know, be strong with the vowels. We're all about the vowels. Hawaii. Yes. <laughs> yep. So how old were you when you moved to White Center then? I was about 11 years old, man. We, we left the island because, uh, I mean, what's happening out here in all of our um, low-income neighborhoods with gentrification, that's been happening mm-hmm. in Hawaii since, you know, since it was taken over back in the 40s or 50s. And so we just got pushed out the island. Yeah, uh, I can tell. With fucking all that tourism there, like everyone's like, Oh, where am I gonna go? This where am I gonna go for um, winter break or whatever? Definitely there, you know. You call them uh, howlies. Mm. Howlies. If you're an outsider, you're a howlet. <laughs> yep. It's probably pretty obvious too, then, huh? If you're like, okay. if someone's touring or not. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they got big old Aloha shirts on, pictures everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, why are you taking a picture of this palm tree, man? This palm tree been standing here for years. Fuck that. <laughs> so what high school did you go to? You go to like Chief Self or anything like that? Or? I went to everything in high school, man. Okay. Back dab in the middle of White Center. And so Damn. that's the school I went to. Probably been through a lot through that school then. <laughs> oh, my God. That's cool. I was wilding, bro. I was not mm. a good kid. If anyone sees me, my teachers are watching this, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just wilding out, getting into trouble. Because, you know, Evergreen, it's just it's super diverse. But also, like, at that time, it was, like, gang-heavy. Everyone had something to prove. And so, yeah, I was just wilding out. Mm. How old are you, by the way? I'm 26. I graduated in 2012. Wow. Yeah. I just, um, my stepdad's from around that area also, actually. And I somehow managed to, like, interview one of his childhood friends. And, like, they had, like they were, like, literal, like, childhood friends. And then they hadn't seen each other since they were, like, eight or something. And he's like, that name sounds very familiar. And then he listened to the interview. He's like, yeah, I know this guy. So basically, I interviewed this guy named Desmond Hansen. And he, um, I don't know if you've seen the murals around White Center, but like he paints on like electrical boxes and stuff like that. I have. He just, uh-huh. yeah. Is that I recently him? interviewed him. Well, that's funny. Well, that's what happens. You know, West Seattle, White Center, it's a real small world. If you grew up there, chances is the people in the community know who you are or your family. Mm. So, yeah. I, um... I did a football in, in Rainier Valley, and so I came, I came from like the east side of Seattle, so I was like the only one that never, I wasn't even, I didn't grow up in the Rainier Valley or anything, so I just came down there because I wanted like a different football experience. Right. So I get there, and literally everyone on the team was related. They're all Samoan, and they're related in some way, and I was the one, like, one guy, I was like, oh, hey, everyone. It was fucking funny as fuck. Hey, everyone. Everyone was related. 
Oh, that's how it is, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's one big old family. You're probably all saying, you know what the word oos means? It's like, bro. Oos, so we say oos a lot, but yeah. They all, they all call me nappy hair because I was the only one with like long ass hair then, and everyone's like, oh, "That's messed up." Most of them got nappy hair too. I don't know what they're talking about. I know, right? But yeah, so I also figured out. So you work at UW, right? You're a admissions counselor, or just what do you do there? Yep, I'm an admissions counselor for uh, the multicultural outreach and recruitment team, and mm -hmm. so uh, basically on that team, there are five different admissions counselors that represent five different affinity groups. And so we have an African-American counselor, a Latinx counselor, Native American, Southeast Asian, and then I'm the uh, Pacific Islander counselor. And so mm -hmm. my work is just making sure that Pacific Islander students have the resources they need to apply to UW, um, but also make sure that um, they know what they're coming to um, if they're interested in UW. And so I love what I do, it's education driven, and I get to work in low-income communities and, and Evergreen is one of the schools I recruit from. And so I love going back into my high schools and all these different high schools that I grew up around to um, uh, to promote higher education. Because I, I, I strongly believe in education, um, especially for our young Samoans, because um, it's not really a path a pathway that, that many of us take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was very beautiful when I was doing that research. I saw your little, um, there's like a little YouTube video of you on like the UW website saying who you are and everything. And I was like, oh, oh this guy. I love <laughs> I look so corny in those videos. I got, I'm got. i really good at my white voice, too. Hi, how you doing? My name is Glendale Sautu, and I'm an admissions counselor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that's beautiful. Like, I feel like, do you think your experience in high school made you want to be part of the UW experience and, like, help everyone get in? Because I feel like being from, like, a low-income area, you probably know a lot of people who didn't want to go to college, and I feel like you're changing that stigma or stereotype, and, like, you're helping them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I had a really, I struggled a lot in high school and in college. Um, I didn't like the classroom. I didn't like school at all. Um, what I really enjoyed was the opportunity to grow and the, the opportunity to be independent, right? I'm in a Samoan household. Man, your parents are in charge of your life. You go to school, you go to football, wrestling practice, you come home. And so when I was finally able to be on my own, um, I was forced to learn a lot of things and, and grow on my own. And um, and also just just how much that degree mobilizes you, right? Like just to have that piece of paper, I can walk into different um, departments and be like, I want to work here, and this is what I majored in. And so, a lot of people from my community were surprised when I ended up finishing and graduating from college, just because, and rightfully so. Like I said, I was messing around a lot, um, but yeah, it really is my goal through a couple different um, nonprofits that I work through too in White Center. Um, to make sure that at least Pacific Islanders in our community know that education is an option, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So how do students take it when they find out that you're like a recording artist? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, this is funny. <laughs> I got so many funny stories. I went into Foster High School through uh, po the Polynesian Club there, mm -hmm. and I hear one of the kids whispering like, hey, he's famous, he's famous. <laughs> and another kid next to him was like, He's not famous. That fool, where are you do? <laughs> oh man, I was like, yeah, bro. I mean, one, I'm not famous. I'm still nobody. Um, but the, the kids in our community uh, definitely listen to my music, um, and they're my biggest supporters, really. Like, I get DMs from students I've worked with at Tai High School, Evergreen High School, Foster High School, of just kids that are like, hey man, keep going. We love the new, you know, we love the new song. 
And for me, man, that's all I really need. All I need is their kind of, you know, support and acceptance. All the rest is for the birds, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I swear to God, I've listened to your album. Because I reached out to you, like, it was was either, like, it was not even that long ago. Honestly, probably like a week, maybe a week. Yeah, maybe. I've I've listened to your album, like, ten times all the way through already. Damn, so you really know it. Yeah, dude, that fucking album. I think it's really well produced. I think I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it because like, I feel like what a lot of people have been doing during this pandemic is kind of releasing like throwaway albums because they know no one's going to be really focusing on it that much. Right. But I think I felt like I could tell, like I could feel the soul in it and I felt like you put a lot of time and effort into it and it really showed in my opinion. Man, thank you so much. I, re- I really appreciate that because I mean, most of the songs on this album have been recorded for about a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rest was just uh, work, figuring out timing. Um, originally, the album was supposed to come out in February, uh, but then uh, COVID started kind of taking the reins. Um, and then we tried to push it back to May. And then everything going on um, in the world with, uh, you know, the killing of, killing of unarmed black men, George Floyd, all, all that noise started to happen. And I was just like, man, it'd be super insensitive to, to release music and to try to push it while all of this needs to be in the forefront. Mm-hmm. And so I really pre- appreciate you saying that because it, it was a long road of figuring out the timing and figuring out what exactly would go where. And so, yeah, I appreciate that a lot, man. Mm-hmm. And you're, the title of the album is Bonnie and Greenwood, correct? Yep, Bonnie and Greenwood. And so- I feel like, is it just from, this might just be my perspective, but I feel like you kind of like, cause from my research, it was, those are like two funeral homes, correct? Mm-hmm. And I feel like you like personified them though in a way, like Bonnie and Greenwood. Was that all intentional or? Yeah, it was actually intentional. And I mean, the original cover art idea for the album was me and one of my nieces, and we found a Greenwood Elementary. And um, I was gonna take a picture of one of my nieces walking into Greenwood Elementary, and mm-hmm. so we would kind of personify uh, Greenwood being a place, and uh, Bonnie being you know a, a young girl or a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of unfolded itself and didn't work out. But yeah, we were we were really trying to personify that, and and so that people didn't really know exactly what I was I was referring to. Mm-hmm. You can always do that for the deluxe album if you ever release. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You giving me ideas, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have to go in depth if you don't like, but um, because I, I know you've already talked about it on multiple articles. But mm-hmm. if you'd like to explain the meaning of how you come came up with the name. Yeah. You're more than welcome to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Bonnie and Greenwood is basically uh, uh, Greenwood Memorial, which is in Rand, is where uh, my brother Mikey is buried. And then over in SeaTac, Bonnie Watson Memorial is where one of my brothers Wayne is buried at. And so when I first got here from Hawaii, um, I basically like me and all my siblings were like crammed into one room and we lived with like 23, 24 different people. Uh, so yeah every day was like rest tournaments in our room i was getting beat up i was getting picked on because i was like the middle child um so we were all really tight-knit um so when they both uh, mikey and wayne both passed away in september of 2006 um just 10 days apart from each other and so that really took a toll um, on my family especially since both incidents were because of gun violence um one, one was an accidental gunshot in my bedroom um uh and the other one was uh, Wayne was shot at South Center Mall. And so after Wayne had passed away, uh, me and some of my brothers had some feelings, right? Uh, one of my brothers got a gun, ended up bringing it home. 
and that gun ultimately was the gun that killed Mikey. Mm. And so it was a really impactful year for myself and my family uh, that really defined, I mean, the rest of my life. And so um, everything I was talking about in the album has a lot to do with my family and reconciliation and being okay, right? Being okay, accepting all the bullshit that a lot of us go through. Um, and so I felt like it was only right to somehow pay tribute to um, two of my brothers who played a huge role in, in, in how I see the world. For sure. Do you, are you pretty, have pretty strong opinions on gun violence then and everything that's oh, yeah. going on? Oh yeah, for sure. I hate guns. Mm-hmm. I, I'll never own one. I, I don't touch them. You know, my friends have guns. I might look at it for a second, but all my friends know that I'm, you know, people always say gun, you know, People don't, or guns don't kill people, people kill people. That's not always the case, man. I, I've seen and been around families uh, who did everything right, but still an accident happened, right? Um, or you have mass shootings, right? Regulations on on, on guns in general, there, there are none, right? Mm-hmm. If you have m- mental health issues, it doesn't matter. You could still go and purchase a gun or a firearm tomorrow with very little, right? Not, not too much of a background check. There are no real strict regulations. They say, yeah, put it in a safe, keep it in a safe space. Nobody checks, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I have real strong opinions on, on gun laws. And a lot of my friends don't agree, which is okay too, right? I respect their right to carry. And shoot, a lot of them feel like they need it and probably do need it. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But that's just not my cup of tea, man. For sure. Yeah. So, let's get into this album. I can't even pronounce the... The first song, it's like a skit type thing. It's an opening yeah. intro. Explain that. Uh, it's Ile Amatanga. And uh, Amatanga pretty much means the beginning. And so basically what it translates is in, into is in the beginning. Gotcha. Cool. And it was like, I think you were like saying, let's go, man, or something like that. You're just, you kind of get like pumped up in the intro. Yeah, um, Cham, who's uh, pretty much produced the whole album and, and uh, mixed and mastered the whole thing. Uh, had this idea of us just opening up in a way that you know was like him asking me if I'm ready, and I was like, "Yep, I'm ready." And I had a little yes. COVID cough in there. It wasn't intentional, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel, I dude, I feel like skits are like dying. You know, like I, you, like people aren't really putting skits on anymore, and I feel like they're really necessary. Like Big Sean's new album. Did you listen to that? Still have not, but that's on my to do oh. list. Like it has been on my to do list for like since it came out, and so. It's nuts. He has like four skits or something like that. Mm. And like each of them are like a different artist or celebrity, like telling a little story about how they've connected with Big Sean or they're just giving like advice. Right. Like right Stevie right. Wonder has his own skit. Dave Chappelle has his own skit. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to tune into that. But yeah, I love skits and albums. Mm-hmm, yeah. For sure. So the first actual song is called Woe. And just this is the first part that stuck out to me. It's like, it's not my fault. I had a crazy dad. And I was like, oh shit, I can feel that. <laughs> that's a loaded street. Oh, that's funny. So oh. culture's like culture's very important for certain people and certain ethnicities. I don't know if culture has really touched me quite yet or religion has touched me quite yet. I like to believe that the universe is what happens, you know, like I feel like God, Buddha, every other religion falls under the universe. I like to accept everything. But I feel sure. like family must be very important to you. Do you feel like whatever happened between you and your dad or whatever happened yeah. with your family defines you as a person? or do Because um, I'm going through a path where I feel like 
maybe family defines me or maybe I can just make my own path and yeah accept the experiences that happen with my family but yeah I mean family for me is everything um just because uh I kind of told you about all the trauma that we kind of been through and then on top of that we we never really had things right like mm. we never had money we never had new toys and you know um and so all we really had was each other and so uh, me and my siblings are like this and we talk every day we share everything with each other um but to the point about my dad uh, he was like he was the one dude in my life that just like was not there and so he was also just kind of sporadic he has anger issues bipolar um, didn't know he doesn't really care about anyone but himself and I wasn't one of those kids who were like, man, if my dad. I was always like, man, I really want a dad. I think having a dad seems super cool. Like all my friends with dads, dads are freaking awesome. Uh, and I always kind of like felt like I played a part in that. And so saying that, you know, it's not my fault I had a crazy dad and a good heart. My mama gave me that. I was just talking about like my past with him, but also I still had this woman in my life who still made sure I was okay. Holding it down for you. Yep. which is another song on the album we'll get into. <laughs> so how many siblings do you have then? Now I'm the middle child of 12. Um, but the way that that kind of works out and plays itself, um, if we're talking about blood relationally, um, there's stepbrothers, um, there's adopted sisters and brothers. Um, there's first cousins that we had adopted and um, brought from the island. And so in our own, in our own real blood way, a lot of us uh, are biologically uh, blood brother and sister, um, but don't tell us that. Mm. We were tossed into the same home, raised by the same parents and the same people. And so um, every time they're like, dang, your mom must have like, nah, it's all different parents, different, you know. <laughs> you know. I understand that. I only have like half siblings, so I, I definitely understand that. You know, you know, <laughs> so the hook of that song was, I'm really trying to free my mind, but the past seems to haunt me. You, know? you go into the depth of the hook. I feel like hooks are always very important to wrap up the song and hooks is usually what sticks with people because people aren't always singing like the lyrics. They're always like the hooks what's stuck in your head all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's one thing that I kind of pride, not really pride myself on, but I've always been kind of naturally good at is coming up with things that are um, somewhat catchy just from growing up and, you know, pounding on tables and making up stupid songs here and there. Um, but for that, I remember the, the day that I wrote that, um, I was really, really feeling down and I was like, man, I just can't get past it. Like, mm. I tell people that I've worked on all the stuff, right, and I got past all of that, but I haven't. And so, you know, I just had this this feeling of, like, you know, I'm really trying to free my mind, but I can't because I got all this bullshit that keeps popping up when I try. And so I think that's where that came from. And I remember showing Cham um, that, that song and that part specifically, and he was like, this is the intro. <laughs> this is the intro to your album. And so... Yeah, just Dude, I don't even know which my favorite song on this album is. Like, I liked every single song, yeah. and then like anytime Cham got on, I was like, "Oh shit, you guys yeah. just fit so good together." That guy's smooth. He's something different, you know. <laughs> so yeah, tell me a little bit about the background between you and Cham. I, I of course, I'm newer to your music. I definitely don't know who Cham is. I just know him from your like um, guest verses. So right, tell right, me a little right. bit more about uh, him. Cham. He's a He's been rapping and making music in the neighborhood since he was like 12 years old. And so um, he started making music with actually my older brother. His name was Lorenzo. And Lorenzo was really popular back in the day in White Center. 
opening up for artists and performing everywhere. People knew all his lyrics to all his songs. Um, they kind of stopped making music, but uh, me and Chan went to the same high school and during that period of time got pretty close. Mm. And so um, after, even after he, he made uh, music with Lorenzo, he went off to college before I did because he was about three years older than me um, to, to Evergreen State College. And he would drive back from Evergreen State College some weekends at like one o'clock in the morning and knock on the door and wake us up. Hey, bro, let's go eat. Let's go to Denny's. And so this fool would be driving us to Denny's at and my mom would let him too. So she'd be like, who's that? Who's that? Oh, it's Chan. Oh, yeah, you guys can go. <laughs> At 1 o'clock in the morning on a school night, he's there, you know, so we were over there eating Danny's. Like, he just took care of me and, and my other uh, younger brother, Alex, really well and just kept looking out. And so when I got to the uh, point where I started making music, um, I hit him up for an opportunity because he never stopped. And he was doing, he was still making moves and still creating music. And so I just asked him, like, hey, can you put me on? And he was like, we'll see. And the mm. rest kind of played itself out. Damn. Yeah. Well, like I said, I really love your sound. It's, you do a great job of mixing and singing with rapping. Was yeah. Which one was harder for you to feel comfortable with? I know, like, for some singers, it's really hard for them. Like, this is, like, your debut album, too, if I'm correct. Yeah. And, like, what I've noticed when it comes to at least local artists because you can always, once you get signed, you can always re-release your debut album and like make tweaks. But what I've noticed with like local artists, their debut albums are a lot of, really filled with like auto-tune because they're not really comfortable with their voice yet. They think that's what everyone wants to hear. But with you, I feel like it's your true singing voice. And what, how did that process of feeling comfortable with your voice come to be? Man, I, I, I'm, I do not call myself a singer because I grew up rapping mostly. And all my other siblings, a lot of my other siblings have ridiculous voices. Um, I just kind of learned how to harmonize and, you know, carry a tune. But it wasn't until I really got around Cham and then another producer um, goes by the name of Uswain, also known as Troy. Um, he heard that song one night. And I kind of just wrote that on a limb. Oh, no, he heard, heard the song Extra. Mm. And he was like, yo. Uh, this fool Glendale got vocals, like, bring him in. You need to tell him he got to sing more. And so that's when my confidence started building. And I was like, hey, Cham, I'm going to try to write a singing song. He's like, bro, do it. I swear it's going to be a hit. I was like, yo. I went back to the drawing board and, and wrote One Night. And when I brought, brought it back to the studio, he was wilding out. He was like, oh, I told you. And so they really kind of pushed me to keep singing. Um, and then I, I'm a real big Chance the Rapper fan. And uh, he, he's not necessarily a singer, uh, but he has a way – um, to make his voice appealing while he's hitting certain notes. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone has that ability. Um, whether you can sing or not, everyone has a way, uh, can find a way to make your voice appealing. And so mm -hmm. I kind of took notes from Chance the Rapper's singing rap style and kind of just try to put it into one. For sure. Dude, everyone, like, when you released The Big Day, everyone just, like, completely shit on that album for the first, like, month and a half. That's one of my and it took albums. me a while because... I'm not I'm not one to like just listen to what everyone says when it comes to music because I I listen to whatever I want. Right. But like I was like, you know what? These these critics are a little bit right. It's just kind of him being too happy, and it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like the big gay, honestly. <laughs> so I, it yeah. took me like it literally took me a full six months of actually listening and like dissecting the album to be like, holy shit! Like his album was actually made really well yep. and 
people feel like you have to talk about drugs or strippers or whatever, but no one gives shit to like Jay Z for four four four. Right. So I'm like, why can't why can't people give chances album a listen? And like when you really listen to it, the people that he like actually was able to mold together for certain songs, I'm like, holy fuck. Um, I don't know. I just I just really appreciated the album. <laughs> yeah, that shit was thoughtful. And what I love about it, as someone who followed Chance um, since I was maybe like 14, um, so damn, that's like 10, 12 years now um, to like progressively see the growth through each album, and then to get to a point where when I was first listening to Chance, I was talking about popping pills and doing shit. Now that I'm 26, and we kind of grew at the same pace because we're around the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking about marriage and life and his kids and things that are of importance. And that's where my mind has been at now. And so to see that growth, for me, the big day just really resonated with me. Yes, for sure. I still don't understand the album cover, though. But besides that, I really enjoyed the yeah, album. I don't know it was like a CD with like yeah, right, sparkles on it. I don't know. When you're that big, you can put a freaking butthole on your album cover and people will oh think it's God. artistic. <laughs> Yeah. Trippy Red, because I follow like little Reddit pages to connect with like different art scenes and stuff like that. Right. And I guess I follow like a Trippy Red Reddit page, and he posted his newest album cover because he's about to release a new album called like Pegasus or something. Mm. And it's basically like him photoshopped with abs, like completely naked, naked with some like nude underwear, so it looks like it's the exact same color as his skin. Yeah. Like in front of like a photoshopped Pegasus, people were just completely shitting on that. I was like, "Oh my god!" I need to see that. Or who's who's the uh, the Pop Smoke album cover? Oh shit, super that was cool. terrible. Super fun. I was like, "What kind of two thousand? Yeah, that shit was funny. And they're like, "You know what? Let's just opt for this little black rose and just call it good." Right, right, yeah. That's funny as fuck. So the second song, "All I Need," the hook is, "I don't need money or fame to something to get me through the pain." So I feel like you kind of went in depth with that a little bit, but I'd like for you to go in depth a little bit more. You're kind of just saying like it's more important for your community to understand you and yeah. be an inspiration for your community. Am I on the right track for that? Yeah, I was just uh, and I, actually when I see you get me through this day, uh, you know, yeah, pretty self-explanatory. What I really like about that song is um, I was just really trying to flex some of my play on words, like in the beginning with the, the rhyme scheme. Can't remember what it is. Because um, I would rather be casually sampling drinks with people who matter than people who, you know. And so um, I had a lot of fun with that song. But yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory. There's not too many layers to it. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, just I just name all the small things that really made me happy growing up, like, you know, store runs at four o'clock in the morning or, you know, just being with the fam. For sure. This is a minute question, but why the beat change at the very end? You like decided to harmonize? Was that just out of the blue <laughs> yeah. or what made you decide to do that? So that, that was actually a change up that um, Cham really was like, hey, man, you know, let's put this in there. It'll be a good uh, segue into one night, right? Because of the way the, the, the piano kind of comes in and it slows down. Um, and then the homie Lake Stovall, who's a dope artist, uh, who just kind of moved here from Seattle and is doing great work. He uh, is the one who's actually singing on that part. Oh, wow. Because, again, I was like, man, these, these ones are kind of uh, rough for me. Mm-hmm. You, you got to hit this. And so he came through and sang it. For sure. So this One Night song, like, oh. that one was stuck in my head for a few days. And I was like, oh, I need to show my friends this. Mm-hmm. So I showed one of my friends. And she's like, she was like, this song's so offended to me. Why are you sending me this? Because, you know, you're just, you're like saying, I only want one night or whatever like that. And then 
then I list, I read your your press release, and it's kind of you're kind of saying in the, it's like. I felt like you're trying to say in the press release that this was you kind of explain stigmas and stereotypes. Like this is what I wrote down. I was like, is this how you feel, or is this how you felt? Or have you seen other people feel like this? And because you said you're like a family guy, so I don't know if family guys are talking about one nights or whatever, but <laughs> break that down for me. Yeah, no, that's really funny. Uh, actually, well, I think it's a little bit of both, but mostly what it was was I think during the time that I wrote that song, I was going through a little breakup. Mm. And uh, I'm not, um, I love a good love song. Don't get me wrong. Um, but in that, and I originally when I heard that beat, I was like trying to write like a love song and I just wasn't feeling it. I'm like, bro, this is not even true. Like I'm not in love with anyone. If anything, I'm out here being a hoe. Like why would I write about, you know, finding the one when I'm out and I was like, you know what? And then I just went to town writing about exactly that. Like I spent my time on Instagram looking at, you know, and going out and hanging out. Then that's what I was doing at the time. And so the two kind of lined up. So it's pretty shallow. (laughs) <laughs> very catchy though very fucking catchy yeah for sure for sure <laughs> so with extra like my interpretation was because you kind of have two songs that are kind of similar like extra and mirrors kind of relate to each other in my opinion yeah so with extra i felt like it was you you were saying we want to be anyone but ourselves is this kind of more about like social media and how people like fake it and yeah are not true to themselves i guess or yeah pretty much um i think it was just yeah, standard that social media holds, but also um, being a Samoan man and kind of the uh, looks that I get when I'm walking through the neighborhood or just like when my mouth is closed and I'm just on a bus and I'm like this. Got RBF. People are, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, people don't uh, take well to me and they're intimidated usually. And a lot of Samoans experience that. But when you get to know me, I'm a goof and I'm wilding out and I'm laughing and I'm talking, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And that's kind of what I wanted to say. It's like, man, I'm an extra ass person. And I think that people were surprised by that. Or that I couldn't I could not be that silly, goofy, dancing big teddy bear. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of what the song is about. That is so weird though that you say that because like whether it's like the music scene or just people in general in Seattle, you see a lot of diversity, but still people are kinda of like afraid of that diversity, even though like I'm like you can say Seattle is very diverse. We got the Chinatown, we got International District, we got all these things. We got different, we got different neighborhoods, and like, like you said, you're like a guidance counselor for like Islanders. Like that's nuts. Like I, I don't, I don't know if every school has that. Yeah. So I think that's pretty crazy. And then, but then you're like, yeah, I'm on the bus or something, and people are like, oh shit. Right. Yeah, we might be diverse, but not everyone likes that diversity. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's unwelcoming and it's uncomfortable, and people don't like to be uncomfortable. With. So that's kind of that's where I was going with it, for sure. So are you like are you like tall as fuck too or something or are you, are you oh, like man. confused? I'm actually only five nine. People think I'm oh, taller shit. than I am, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not tall at all, bro. I'm just I'm just the beard, a little bit. gives you growth. Yeah, I'm like two twenty, you know, so not exactly small. <laughs> Damn, <Yeah>. holy shit. <laughs> so the next song, anyway, I felt like this song could have been about like vices because you're like. Smoke that anyway, drink that anyway. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. I went into a, a whole bunch of different directions with it, but yeah, I just, I have a lot of vices in my own mind. Uh, you know, people see me as this happy person, but, you know, I went through 
injuries and I started taking pain medications in high school. I went through a phase with that. Um, I've seen people struggle through alcoholism, um, smoking weed, and I don't think weed is a bad thing by any means, but I mean, I know people who, man, they wake up, they smoke, they go to a meeting, they gotta smoke, they gotta smoke for everything. And really where the idea came from was I worked at Taiyi High School uh, for two years. And at Taiyi High School, um, I work, I ran the in-school suspension program. Mm. And uh, one of the kids was telling me, like, man, it really don't matter what you do, Mr. G, I'm gonna smoke anyway. <laughs> and, so, and so I started thinking about my own life and that same sentiment because he was right. It's like, man, I can only help you so much. I'm not gonna say his name, almost said his name. I can only help you so much. Um, but you're right, man. You're going to do it anyway. So let me support you how I can. And that's on you, right? Mm-hmm. So that's Here's a joint. Yeah. yeah. Here's a joint. <laughs> um, but that's where the idea of anyway came up. Mm-hmm. Dope song again, too. Thank you. Bro. So back to Mirrors. I felt like this song was more of like self-image, loving yourself. It was a very soulful song. Reminded me of the church. Mm. And like in um, one of your press releases, you were talking about like your bun and everything like that. And like when you look at yourself in the mirror, yeah. so just dive into that a little bit. Man, that, this this is my favorite song on the album, only because um, as I as I wrote it, I got super emotional. I was like, "Man, I didn't realize that I, I felt so strongly about this." Uh, just the the um, the awareness you need to have as a person of color in America, right? The awareness you need to have of not being intimidated. Um, dang, did I just use my hood voice just now? Uh, right. Um, can I wear my hair down when I go to UW and I sit in my office? That unprofessional? Mm. Uh, dang, I'm getting a little dark. What the heck? No, like, why am I getting? These are all messages. And, like, that darkness, anti, you know, anti-dark, anti-blackness messages were messages I got as a kid from my, God knows where. You know what I mean? And so when I started to think about all those things, you know, that's why I'm, like, hide my culture in the bun, keep keep my skin about the sun because melanin and hair are often feared when it's unfurled. And that's just how I felt. Like, I'm, I'm, it's it's tiring to do yes. this all the time. And so like I see myself in these different places and I'm code switching constantly. Um, and it just felt, you know, that's where the concept of mirrors came, you know, like all these different mirrors and I'm tired of it. Damn, just get the hell away from me. <laughs> really is what it's about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That is tough. I think, I don't know how things are gonna go, but I feel like everyone talks about acceptance but then, like, when you're actually, like, a minority, you're like, what acceptance are you actually talking about? Because we're not really seeing that. But, like, or, like, when you're going to the, like, in Seattle, like, all the, the Black Lives Matter Matter protests, the majority of them are, like, white people. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you guys are, like, spray painting on buildings and shit, like, making it about yourselves. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, bro. Uh, that's a whole nother thing, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So speaking of like UW, are people going to like classes right now, or is it more like online? Everything's pretty much online. So you hear my niece in the background. Um, everything's pretty much online. Uh, they probably won't go back to in-person learning for a while now. Uh, so all of my events that I do with like rising seniors and stuff, that's all um, virtual sessions. Mm. So I'm doing a bunch of events. I got right before I got on the phone or the call with you, I was uh, speaking with Pacific Islander students and doing a little panel. And so pretty much all of everything I do is virtual now, which kind of sucks, it's driving me crazy, but. Yeah. Do you think the virtual virtualness, I guess, like 
loses the impact of like exciting people to go to school and everything like that. Like like you said, like you're talking like graduating seniors getting ready to go to college. They must not even really be paying attention if you're like, oh, we're going to do this all virtually. Yeah, a little bit. You know, I have parents who always, you know, who are asking me like, if you guys are going to be doing, not going to be doing in-person learning, uh, why shouldn't my student go to community college and spend a year or two there and then go to UW? I'm like, yeah, yeah, why don't they, right? Because <laughs> my job as an admissions counselor is to be like, this is all the great stuff because you UW, but my job as a person is to be real. And so when parents yeah. ask me that, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that is a very good and viable option. I mean, you still have to apply and you might not get back in, but mm -hmm. uh, shoot, whatever is best for you and your family financially, like that's what's most important to me and should be to y'all. And so there's definitely been a lot of, a lot of parents and families um, concerned about sending their kids, but also just thinking smarter financially, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So does the staff still have to go into the school though, or can they work from home? Man, I've been in my bedroom for seven months, man. Holy shit. Eight months. I've been working from home March, uh, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, going on eight months. Damn, I forgot how long it's been. Eight months now, basically. That's fucking nice. Pretty much spend my whole life in that room and then occasionally at the studio. Oh, my God. And doing like crazy stuff. Yeah, it's good. So the next song on the album, mm -hmm. we've got, got two more, basically. Hold It Down. I When I think of holding it down, does this feel like an obligation for you or does this feel like something that is just in your soul that you know you have to do versus... When I think of an obligation, I feel like... Because when sometimes obligations aren't things that you want to do, they're just things that you feel pressured into it, whether it's family, culture, relationships, whatever. Right. Do you feel like this is more something you're forced into, or do you feel like this is something that you just have to do as being like a family man? And uh, I think it's both. I think uh, growing up, um, there's been many situations where, unfortunately, my family has gotten into, into physical altercations, and the one thing that I learned very quickly is that if you do not react, you'll probably get reacted on. And mm. so um, watching my different siblings um, go through these types of things um, kind of instilled into me this this fierceness, like, man, I got to be the first one my brother sees. And we've also talked about it, right? And I've seen the way that my brothers have stepped up for me, like, and no questions asked. One of my brothers, man, the, the, as soon as he sees or catches a whiff of someone disrespecting me, I just see him flying straight and like going towards the person. And I'm like, hey man, chill. Uh, and so that's kind of what it's, uh, what it is about. Um, I try not to glorify that too much anymore. Um, just because um, I, I'm less about using my hands and being violent um, these days, um, mm -hmm. but it still is a part of me, right? Like For sure. if I see anybody that I love um, being mistreated, I'm probably going to be the first one you see. And I pride mm -hmm. myself on that. Uh, it's a little bit of toxic masculinity mixed in with um, <laughs> internalized stereotypes of being someone. You're scary. You need to fight. But also, it's a sense of protection, you know? That was, a, that was a mouthful of words. My bad. No, for sure. So, like, holding it down for you, does that kind of represent, like, protection in your in your eyes? Yeah, I think it's, like, protection, making sure people know that the people that I love and I surround myself with, they are protected. And do not... You know, you have no reason to try to take away that protection or that safety. For sure. So final song on the album is called Doubt. Yep. And do you think doubt is different from depression? Or do you think it's like a steep slope to depression? Or 
What are your opinions on doubt? Let's see, man. You really got me listening to this album, man. Hell yeah. I'm kind of impressed by how much you kind of been breaking everything down. Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, I think that um, no matter how, well, depending on who you are, for me, uh, no matter how much recognition I get, no matter how many times people tell me I'm great and good at something, um, all it takes is one negative comment to kind of push me away. Um, or um, I start to play tricks on myself. Like, I'm like, man, you're not really that good, bro. Like, you're tripping. Um, they don't know what they're talking about. And so that anxiety around around being good or being accepted kind of slowly puts you into this funk of depression where you do one of two things. You um, retreat and you don't do nothing at all or you throw yourself into work and you throw yourself into things to overcome. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little bit of both. What do you do personally to overcome doubt or even signs of depression? And lately, it's a couple of things. I think getting outside into nature has been really helpful for me. Taking walks, going around, but also just like jumping, you know, full head into whatever. Like the first time I went on a tour with these guys, I was scared out of my mind and I did not want to go. Um, but, you know, I just kind of got to the point where I was like, man, if I don't try all these things and do it now, I'm going to look back at my life and be pissed. Um, and so just just doing it. That's not like a Nike commercial. For Nike head <laughs> For sure. So if you could have one word to represent this whole album, what would it be? I'm going to just say the first word that came to my mind was acceptance. Uh, there's a lot of good, a lot of happiness. There's also a lot of sadness that I talk about. Um, but never once in the album do I say I give up. Hmm. Um, and I'm intentional about that always to be like, I might talk about feeling like it, uh, but you'll see me and I'm not going to. And I've accepted everything that's happened. And so I think, I think it's it. And what do you want your fans and new listeners to get out of this album? What are your goals for this album for people to hear? Uh, I just hope that uh, people can feel it. I know that might sound very generic, um, but that people can hear one or two lines from the album and be like, that, that is exactly how I feel. And I no longer feel alone because somebody else has said and named exactly how I'm feeling right now. Um, mm-hmm. I think anytime a musical artist can do that, uh, man, that's the best. Because it's also a great feeling for me when people reach out to me and they're like, yo, I just listened to the world and this line really stood out to me. Man, that makes me emotional myself. And I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not alone. I never was alone. I never really am. Uh, so I think that's what it is. For sure. So let's quickly uh, go over this album cover. So it's like a chair in the middle of the road, and there's like two cars to the side. What is, what is the process behind that? Uh, that is up for interpretation. But uh, <laughs> for the most part, um, we had an idea of the, the chair. Actually, we had an idea of being on that street, because that's the street I grew up on. And that's the street where me and my brothers played basketball on. That street means so much to me. One of my brothers was on house arrest. Um, for two years and for two years yeah he was on house and he was still in high school 
Yeah. I'll tell you, my house was crazy. This so, um, on that street where you see me standing, like that's where we played basketball for hours because he couldn't go anywhere else but right there on that street. That was his parameter. So the you would see the ball roll down the street and he would run. Like, oh. Hey man, someone go get that because if you went too far, you know what I mean. Oh shit! Um, and then that's the street that also so many fights had, just like so much great things and bad things. And so that's the re- that's where the street comes in. Um, the chair I was supposed to be standing on there, and then I kind of end up not there anymore. And like the promo video, kind of making me fade out in and out to represent, you know, one of my brothers being gone or missing. Um, but when we got there, there was a chair sitting in front of my old house. So I was like, man, I'm going to just go and take this chair. I don't know if anyone is here right now. So we took the chair, we put it in the middle of the street. We took some shots sitting, um, some shots of it by itself. Um, and that was only supposed to be for the promo. But the more I started talking about the idea of me being in that chair and no longer being in that chair and that representing a piece of myself being, you know, missing and a piece of my, you know, one of my brothers being missing, more I was like, man, maybe this should be the album cover. We were all also pressed for time. And so when I found, when we started talking about this idea, I was like, bro, this is tight. So originally it was center, but um, Cam was like, hey, bro, you know my Lexus is parked right there and you can see the bumper sticker. It says West on it, man. And I was like, really? And so we moved it left. And not only do you get the street and the chair, but you also get West for West Seattle, baby. And so we were like, no, nah, that's the album cover right there. Hell yeah. You know? I think it's pretty cool. That's pretty creative. I liked your, the background story behind it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, man, like I'm definitely a fan now. I really enjoyed your album. And it's crazy because my whole goal is to give Seattle artists a spotlight. And one day I'll just wake up and like there's a new artist that I've noticed. And I'm like, I have to check out their music. And I was hooked from the very first song I heard. So yeah. Thank congratulations you so on the album. And um, yeah. I'll be promoting it some more. And I hope this interview helps people understand the album a little bit better. Yeah, man, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you, man. I mean, like I was saying when we were messaging earlier, um, just to have people who um, are passionate about Seattle voices, you know, or local voices in particular, uh, that's a special kind of, of want right because you're not necessarily wanting to be the center of attention but what you're saying is i have a gift to um, help others elevate the voices that i too resonate with right and so i think that's a really really dope passion and i'm excited to see where you go shoot maybe in 10 years we'll both be on mtv interviewing each other for sure man (laughs) so glendo do you have any advice for up-and-coming artists creators influencers Oh, man, just be yourself, <laughs> be yourself and love on people. And also, man, support each other. I think that's one huge thing, right, up in Seattle especially. Like, people are always hating and always knocking on each other. I get the messages every now and then, like, oh, you're trash, you're garbage, everyone does music, you don't want to. And just, you know, I think that if collectively Seattle artists um, continue to support each other, we would have blown up way long time ago and so support mm-hmm. each other and be yourself for sure <laughs> so i end the podcast by saying this is the nas podcast and you say your name so this is the nas podcast with little south tour <laughs>